Hello and welcome to the first and ten Chargers podcast. It's going to be a very positive one, isn't it? Like three wins in a row. This is, we were just saying before it came on. First time since 2018. Ash, is it? Is it looking up or is it like we kind of shooting ourselves in the foot because Lynn will keep his job now? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's just <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really know. It's where everyone's in a little bit of shock, really. Three wins in a row. It's unheard of, really, isn't it? So uh... you know, it, it is good to watch Chargers football and winning football, isn't it? No matter what the circumstances. So let's just kind of put that out there straight away. That it, I'd rather watch a win at this stage of the season than kind of getting dicked by the Denver Broncos, who, as we mentioned before, are the stoke of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, it's good. To, it's good to win games, but it's not good to watch Denver, is it? Let's face facts. No, like, it's not. Oh, our games with them are always low scoring, kicking, just typical. Like that when you 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 ask about a typical divisional game where it's like real hard for ground and pound them sort mm. of games. Like, and it's kind of not really us. Like, it just doesn't really suit our style and the players that we got. So, when you out of them games with especially teams like Denver that a lot of their players are either out or their superstars are out. You just kind of like, it's just not fun to watch, but you kind of grit your teeth and try and get through the four hours of the game. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a pretty watch, was it? I mean, it we had like, watch. you know, Denver didn't play very well. I don't think we were too fluid on offense or defense, really, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we kind of eked it out in the end, but just like the quality of football that was on the show wasn't good. I mean, I was saying to you just beforehand, I feel like we got 13 zip up and then I was like coasting like the players were. I was just thinking like, I just want this game to be over. I'm actually a bit bored. <laughs> I mean, yeah. only because the, you know, the, the result looked like it was in the bag because we were, yeah. Denver couldn't move the ball on us. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't a good game at all. I mean, Obviously, it's good for us, but Jerry Judy, I mean, I was pretty worried about him uh, moving into the, the, the game because I was thinking of what Calvin Ridley did when yeah. he played Atlanta a couple of weeks ago, but he had a stinker, didn't he? Yeah, he dropped loads. Yeah, he was... I don't know what I, I really thought Jerry Judy was going to set the world a lot. Well, not like... I was I was CD Lamb over Jerry Judy, but yeah, I did think yeah. that he was going to be very good. And he's not. it's not quite what... Maybe it's just Drew Locke. Maybe it's... I don't know. It's, it's just not quite worked for Jerry Judy this year. It seemed a little bit... I didn't see any of the stuff that I'm seeing now when I was watching him in Alabama. Mm. It's, it's really bizarre, like loss of concentration. Um, some of the breakaway... It doesn't look like he's got as much speed as I thought he did as well, which is... I don't know. It's, it's just one of them ones where you, you kind of watch it. You kind of watch him in the SEC and, and it looked a little bit like he was on cruise control. And now you're watching him obviously against NFL players and it doesn't seem as fluid. Um, but it, it might just be rookie first year nerves or whatever. Yeah, but. and it's not obviously not been a, a productive um, sort of team environment for him to be in. Obviously Denver haven't had the greatest seasons and we're not in yeah. the greatest position to speak about things like that. But yeah. you know, we, we can speak to stuff like that. Or some of our rookies haven't performed yeah. nearly as well because of maybe the environment that they've been in, mm-hmm. maybe the shortened off-season, you know, no OTAs, very shortened uh, off-season programme in general, no pre-season, nothing like that, no chance to get your feet underneath you and then you're going into... NFL games playing 100 miles an hour against corners who are miles better than, even if you play in the SEC, they're still miles better than the guys that you've been across against in college football. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, but, you know, it's not our concern. You know, he dropped a few balls. He, you know, even if he just caught half of them, I feel like he would have changed the result of the game, which, you know, it's good for us. Yeah. So we want to kind of win these games, even if we're not, um, you know, <laughs> maybe in the long run, not benefiting from it, let's say. 
But yeah, let's let's just say that you know, it's a good it's a good win. Uh, Justin Herbert, you know, set, set a couple of records. Obviously, now is the sole owner of the rookie touchdown record with twenty eight touchdowns, and another quietly impressive game from Justin. What do you think? Yeah, I thought so. I thought that he he managed the game pretty well. Um, used it's, it must be difficult for him with the offensive line we've got, and and it's not just the offensive line. Okay, you've got five bad players, but they're con- consistently playing. Mm. So you've got the same five guys. He it seems to be a, a churn out. I mean, Balaga seems to be in and out, in and out, and shaking it all about like yeah. all the time. Like he's 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 literally out every game. He sort of starts the game and then he's out. Oh, he's been at first quarter. He's he's not been knocked out with an injury. It's like, mm. and then obviously you, you've got issues on the the left hand sides. Um, Lamp and Feeney haven't been playing consistently well at the moment. Obviously then. Turner's very similar. He's kind of in and out. And then you've had sort of like Tevi be out for a couple of games and then it's switched over. So he's never really had sort of the same personnel, even if some of the personnel aren't great. Never always been kind of like this continuity across the line. So for him, it's been quite difficult. And then obviously he's had to do it with, especially the last couple of weeks where you might have got Eckler back, but then you, you, you're down Keenan Allen, who's huge. And then <laughs> Hunter Henry falls on the COVID list and all of a sudden yeah. you're you're throwing balls to Stephen Anderson and Donald Parham. So it's it, it must be difficult for him. But still, you see plays and, and glimpses of how good this kid is, really. So, I mean, it's just, just a testament, really, to, to the kid, to how well he's... Even from the Chiefs game, where he first got his foot through the door mm. and how the circumstances arose for him to come in to, till now, you can just see the development... And you can just see more confidence in the guy that he, he knows that I can scramble out of this or I can get out of this situation where I think sometimes in some place, you'll still see it now and again, but I think that he's he is learning very quickly on the job, shall yeah. we say. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like, you know, you you always hear it from young players in the second, third year, they talk about obviously the game slowing down. And I feel like you can see that with Justin already. And yeah. that's, I think that's what you're kind of getting at there, isn't it? With yeah. his confidence growing and, you know, he just seems like he's got a lot more confidence. And he, to be fair, he's always seemed like calm and poised and confident, but he just seems to be just in complete control of the offense already, which is fantastic news, obviously, for us moving yeah. forward. Because, like you say, he's doing it with a patch of a defensive line and without his, some of his main playmakers out there. And he's still, yeah. you know, making plays, getting wins, obviously, in the last few weeks. And... To be honest, I know we're kind of saying about us winning games and is it good in the long term, or at least I am, you know, because obviously Lynn might keep his job, but it's good for him, you know, and I'm, I'm happy for him because he's obviously putting a lot of work in. He's obviously going to be yeah. the leader of our franchise for hopefully the next 10, 15 years. And, you know, it's good for him to get off these, you know, this, this start in his career, not finishing his rookie year, you know, winning two or three games, you know, we're now up to six. We could beat Kansas yeah. City on Sunday to make it seven. And, you know, as much as, it's not been a great season to get seven wins out of it for your rookie quarterback or six. It'll be for Justin, obviously with week one belonging to Tyrod, but you know, it's some, it's some nice building blocks for him to start with. I think. Yeah, definitely. 100%. Like you don't want him to try and fall, fall into the sort of same way as sort of Donald and a few other guys that have been falling into where the losses have then in, <laughs> ingrained in them and, yeah. and they feel like they, they're part of the reason why they're losing every week. And sometimes it's really, it's not really them. It's just down to bad coaching and the bad mm. players around them. There's, there's good players. I, I still think like with Sam Darnold, I'm not saying he's a well-beer, but he's definitely a sustainable starter. If you surround him with, surrounded him with 
the right coaches and the right people. Yeah. People people rip like Jared Goff off and then he came went all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, he's not having a great time at the moment, but that you they, there is times with quarterbacks that if they're not coached well and they're not given the right support that you can see him plummet. Mm. And I think that with Justin, it's good that we've, we can get, we can see that even with not a lot of talent around him or limited talent around him, he can still manage to pull this team to seven wins. It's, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think you've hit it on the head. Obviously if we talk about poor situations, you got Josh Rosen, who went from the Cardinals, the worst situation in the NFL at the time, to then the Dolphins, who were in exactly mm-hmm. the same situation. And yeah. it's completely ruined his career. Yeah. You know, I mean, obviously, it's not completely blameless, probably, in that process. I don't, I'm not privy to any of the details of it, but there's always two sides to every story. It's not just a case of one guy being taken from one bad team to another and it, it, it ruining him. Yeah. But that's a pretty difficult place to start, a pretty difficult situation to come out of. And, yeah. you know, from being the 10th overall pick four years ago to now being on the periphery of the league on practice squads and bouncing around practice squads. It's not, it's not great. Is it? <laughs> you know, right. and he might get a start for San Francisco on the weekend. I don't know, but it's, 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 it has ruined him. And, you know, and you can go that way if you keep losing games, like you say, if Justin had crumbled under this pressure of, you know, being put in with two minutes notice, being, you know, leading the team through a pretty drab season of maybe three or four wins, maybe less than that, you know, loads of talent going down, offensive line being a sieve, things like that. But he's risen to the occasion and he's come out the other side of it looking like, you know, we're really excited for his second year. Definitely, 100%. Obviously, we have, I've mentioned Anthony Lynn and things like that. What's your, what's your, what's your gut feeling saying? Are these wins keeping him in a job or are we still on the course to... See another head coach come in in the off season. Uh, I still think he's gone. Uh, I, You're not I saying with that as much confidence as you were <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> I, I said this last year though, didn't I? Like, if I'm honest, I thought he was gone last year, um, and then they gave him the new deal. But I, I said to a couple of mates, I, I was like, I'd be shocked if he stays. And obviously, they gave him the deal, and I was like, mm, fair enough, if that's what they think. But and then obviously, we went into this season with a few more high hopes. And you kind of give coaches the benefit of the doubt, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, but it's not, it's just been such a strange year. We, we were talking earlier about how this game went. And it kind of summed up Lynn in some respects, where if the game's going well, he looks okay. But as soon as the game starts going away from him, he just looks like he's completely out of his depth. And I personally think that you need a coach to be able to calm the storm. And at the moment, it's Justin Herbert calming the storm rather than the coaches. So I just think it's, personally, I just think that the hole's too deep for him to get out of. It kind of, if you if you look at the game, the Bills just put an absolute domination up against the Patriots this mm. weekend. And we were 45-0 loss against the Patriots. Yeah. Like, yeah. For me, that was the final nail in the coffin. You can't, you can't put up zero against one of the worst Patriots teams in the last fifteen years. Like that's that was just not acceptable play. Like and that the hammer really came down, I think, from that game. And even though we've won games, we're we've won games against some bad teams. I think, and I think that that's kind of we're, it's kind of getting covered up because we've won three games in a row. Mm. If I'm honest, you've seen the Raiders absolutely fall off a cliff and we've beat them. 
the the Falcons don't know. <laughs> they just can't win. They're a like game. the new version well, of us. <laughs> they are. They are the. They are exactly the same as us. Um, like ham and cheese, these two teams. So, <laughs> then, nice. And then you've obviously got Denver at the moment, and and they they have looked bad all year. They've put up a couple of good defensive performances that's got them some wins, but they've not looked good all year. So, like. I personally think that's just because we've won three games. Obviously, let's be positive. Like we've won three games is really good. But mm. in in respect of the coaches, these three wins shouldn't define what the last eighteen games have shown us. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. It's papering over the cracks massively if you take these yeah. three games into consideration. I'm just a bit fearful of the Chargers being not the most ruthless of organisations. And obviously, we know that Anthony is quite respected within the building. And also, recency bias as well comes into yeah. it. You know, if these three wins had been weeks one, two, and three, obviously, it would have been against better opposition because we had quite a difficult start. But yeah. then if you lose six, seven, eight games to finish the season, maybe punctuated by one or two wins in between that, then it's like, well, we've not won for ages. So, you know, let's get rid of him. Whereas yeah. now, you know, if we win four and a bounce... You know, it's uh, it's recency bias, isn't it? It's a really good couple of points that you made, though. Um, I want to draw the parallel to the Patriots. Patriots are obviously on the same record as us at the minute with six and nine, and they beat us by 45 to nil. That's a Bill Belichick team that's well, you know, going to be at least well coached. Haven't got the talent, though, but this Chargers team, I feel like, is the complete opposite. It's got the talent in some respects. I know that we've had injuries and things like that, yeah. but the coaching's like the complete opposite. And it's like the coaching has inhibited our record, whereas Bill Belichick's probably got the Patriots a couple of wins just from being Bill Belichick and being organised and disciplined and things like that. Whereas obviously we've had our special teams, we've had gaffes, we've had time management issues. And yeah, we we, we, you know probably could have had a respectable record, probably getting towards the record that both of us expected, even with like a bit of a Patriot team and things like that. But that's just how good some players have been, like Keenan Allen, Justin, things like that. But I feel like you, you've now got two teams in the, the sorry the conference that have got the same record for completely different reasons, but the worst team won forty five to nil. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, the Patriots this year, like when they've come up against good coaches, that it's it's showed because the talent on the field hasn't been like mm. Patriots haven't got great talent, like we said, and Belichick's. Um, got them to a few wins and when they've come up against another coach that's well organized and he's got a team playing well and they've got a good team not a bad team but a good team hmm. Patriots lose but as soon as the Patriots find some again come up against a team where the talent could be pretty good but the coaching isn't great Patriots seem to get get the win because hmm. the coaching you, as soon as I mean talent talent is key to these games I'm not saying it that it is not, but if your coaches aren't aren't good good guys, they they don't know what uh, if they can know what they're doing. They've got they've got game plans. They're just like you said. We've talked about Tomlin, Harbour, um, Andy Reid, like so all these coaches. They've been in the league for so long. They know how to win games. Mm-hmm. And when Belichick comes up against these well organized teams, especially with this team at the moment. They're not winning because they haven't got the talent. But as soon as he comes up against teams like us and other other organisations where the coaching is debatable, say like Detroit and uh, like you said Falcons and, uh, mm. and other teams like that, they're just they're just picking up the wins because 
the talent, the talent on the field is the same, but the coaches are far superior in New England than they are at the teams that they're playing against. And it just went to show against us that we haven't got the coaches. We haven't got the coaches, and that game just absolutely proved the point. Yeah, definitely. And the, the other, the other aspect of this is what we kind of mentioned in passing last week that. I'd, maybe the Chiefs is a bit of an anomaly if we get that win, but if we go through this season, even you could put an asterisk against the Chiefs because they're, they're resting a bunch of starters, which we'll come on to at the end of the podcast, but we won't have beaten a team with a winning record the whole exactly. season. Even yeah. if the Raiders win next week, now they'll only be 500, so we won't yeah. have beaten a team all season with a winning record. We'll have just knocked off easy teams, like yeah. games that we probably should have won, and we've even lost games that we should have won as well. Um, so yeah, not, not, not a record to kind of just point out without context and say, well, you know, he's won these games and they've won six, seven games a season. He's got to stay kind of thing. It's, yeah. uh, you know, he's adding that context of all these things that we're mentioning. And yeah, it's, I hope and I still hope and probably still think hopefully he'll be gone and, you know, we'll get a bit of a clean cleaning of house and, you know, new fresh blood will come in and hopefully we'll be looking up because obviously both of us are really positive at the start of the season, looking at the roster and, you know, coming into the season and it's just not materialised in any way, shape or form really, has it? It's been very, very similar to last season when we weren't enjoying doing the podcast and uh, <laughs> yeah. weren't enjoying watching the team either. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it kind of just spiralled out of control since Derwin James got injured. Obviously, mm. we were watching Hard Knocks. Everyone was excited about certain things. Derwin got injured and it kind of just set the season up on the wrong foot and I don't think it ever really recovered. We had injury, then we had another injury. Then we had the Tyrod situation. Then Herbert come in. It was like, wow, this is amazing. And then the coaches just basically just shot him down. And I think yeah. that, that kind of that kind of maybe disrupted the the landscape of the the changing rooms as well. I think that maybe that got that's kind of got lost. Where I think the early part of the year, I think that there was there was something quite not in that not quite right in that locker room. And I think that they're, it's kind of getting better now. Maybe it's They've had they've had words. There's they've cleared like Desmond King's gone, and they might might have tried to iron out a few situations, but it's still really been a disappointing season just from the, the from all the way from the coaches from some of the players that have come in and they've just not performed. Mm. All the injuries we've had as again um, and yeah and again just disheartening losses, just some really gut wrenching and also really just really bad bad games this year especially games like the Patriots and yeah for sure Miami. and the Miami game as well was also horrendous where we played against them so mm. yeah completely I mean another, I guess another positive trying to put more positive spin on it you know we've avoided finishing fourth in the division um, mm. for the first time in a couple of years so that's good and I mean as much as you know we've, we'll be talking about draft picks and things like that in the second part when we we'll talk about offensive line but Moving, moving away from the draft, it's good to get that winning culture, winning vibe, as we've mentioned before. So, you know, it's not about its positives. And like I said before, it's much better to talk about Chargers wins and get that winning feeling and not go to bed annoyed on, on Sunday evenings. Yeah, Let's, it's definitely good. Oh, sorry, sorry mate. Yeah, it's, it's definitely good to win over the Broncos as well. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, it's, divisional games divisional. are always one that we always talk about that it's always good to get divisional wins under your belt because you can be the laughing stock of the division. You just do not want that in, in divisional games. So no. grinding wins out against Denver and the Raiders at the end of this season will give us a good uh, stead into next year to so kind of uh, get that momentum and keep keep on building with it, really. Yeah, I'd say so. I completely agree there, with for sure. 
Um, I was just going to say, is there anything you want to mention about this Denver game before we move on into the uh, draft and free agency talk on offensive line? Uh, no, not really. There's, not really. I think we pretty much summed everything up there, really. There's not really... The game was not pretty to watch, but we've come out the other side and uh, good for Justin to get the records that he deserved, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he'll get to build on that as well on Sunday against Kansas City. I'd love for him to get 30 touchdowns. Um, yeah. you know, Just a couple away, I think it's possible. And he with a very, very good game, he'd get the yards record, wouldn't he? I think he's about 340-ish. Yeah, I think... Something like that, I, think, I can't remember exactly yeah, the, the figure. Yeah, he's, he's, the only, he's only the fourth rookie ever to get 4,000 passing yards. Um, it's him, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, and Jameis Winston in their first year. Yep. Um, and uh, I think I think attempts-wise, I think that he might be on for it. Um, but yeah, the, I think that it might be a bit of a stretch. You never know, but it might be a bit of a stretch to get the, um, the all-time... Um, he's only a hand, he's only a handful behind Winston and Newton, isn't he? So he should get a second at the least, unless he has yeah. an abysmal game or gets injured. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I think it's about three hundred and forty yards or, or there thereabouts that yeah. to overtake Andrew Luck, which is you know he's done that I think three times this year. It's, fe- it's feasible, definitely. Yeah, yeah, so I'd like to think you know we've we've Kansas City maybe resting a few guys, maybe you can just air it out and. You well, Lynn that. might as well let him. Do you know what I mean? At least at least he'd go off with a bit of a high if Lynn does because look. The last thing you want as a coach, especially this sort of time of year where you know you're not going to get anything, is try and get these players. It's no different with kind of like Keenan Allen. He's going to miss out a thousand, a seven thousand yard consecutive year by nine yards. But obviously yeah. that injury that's not kind of helped it. But sure. you kind of like maybe that game against the Raiders. He could they could have just tried to get him onto that thousand yards before <laughs> they had to shut him down, sort of thing. So I hope the hope Lynn does just let Herbert air it out a bit because. You might as well go for the record, and then at least you can say, "Oh, yeah, I was the coach that coach." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, you, you can know, hang your heart on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, what's what else is there to lose, really? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's a meaningless game for both teams, isn't it? You know, yeah. they've clinched the division. They've got a first round bye all the way through the playoffs. Uh, yeah. Home field advantage, should I say? And uh, yeah, obviously we're not playing for anything either. So yeah, let's have some fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I'd like to think that the other record he's got as well was um, him and Patrick Mahomes, are the only two quarterbacks in the first 14 games, aren't they, to get 4,000. So yeah. quite elite company, really, yeah. for all these records, really, you know, you know, Winston and uh, Newton, obviously, we're talking about these quarterbacks as not great quarterbacks now, but rookie season wise and early on in their careers, they were very, very good quarterbacks, obviously, both pair, a pair of number one picks, obviously, three with Andrew Luck as well, going, you know, yeah. talking about that yardage record. So yeah, hopefully he gets it, hopefully he moves forward and and gets those records um, and just caps off a great rookie year, really. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, onwards and upwards for next year. Definitely. The only thing I want to mention is just that that bizarre fourth down decision. I know he went for it on fourth down early on in the, the fourth quarter, and then he, he didn't go for it again. Uh, lead I'm talking about here, didn't go yeah. for it on fourth and goal from the three-yard line or something like that. And just, yeah, it's, it's kind of what you mentioned earlier. And I just want to just pay lip service to it, really. I don't want to spend too much time talking about it. But yeah, the four, the fourth, decision. Yeah, the fourth that where Herbert scrambled for fourth and eight on the fifty, and then they didn't go for it on fourth from goal from the two. Like it's kind of just it, again, like you said, it kind of just sums up Lynn when he he, he does things which you just scratch your head and you're thinking, "Well, oh, that's outrageous, go for it there." And then when you really, when you should really kill teams off, mm. and go for the jugular, 
he doesn't let him, he doesn't do it, and then they get back into the games. And exactly what happened in this game, yeah, this is exactly what happened all year, where we've had opportunities to basically stranglehold a game and say you're not coming back from this, you're done, mm. and they kind of pussy out, go for a field goal, or don't make something, uh, uh, and just let teams swing back into games, and then two or three times, a handful of times at least this year, teams have grabbed momentum and, and thrown us to death and we've been ended up on the losing team rather than just killing them off early on. So it, it kind of is kind of parallel to how Lynn is as, as a coach is how the charges have been this year with mm. some, he's not gutless. He just doesn't kill teams off when he has opportunities. And that is the difference between a good coach on a good team and a bad coach. Yeah, exactly. Like you say, it's just that ruthlessness, isn't it? Just to kind of just kill off the game when you can, and he just doesn't do that. And with his coaching decisions or uh, the play calling, sometimes, and it just leads to yeah bad situations, and just gives the team a bit of hope, and yeah. and then swings it away, and that hope grows, and yeah, it, hopefully, you know, well, it was not hopefully, it didn't happen, thankfully, um, in this game. But that's probably because it's a bad Denver team that you played as well. And you know, like I said before, with Jerry Judy bringing in a couple of catches, it probably would have been a different result, and we would have been sat here complaining about that precisely that decision. Yep, definitely. But anyway, less of that. You know, we we, we got the win, and that's the main thing. Um, and like we said, hopefully seeing the season out right. Let's move on into the second part, when we, which we've been kind of doing over the past few weeks. We've been talking about an area of the Chargers team where. We're kind of looking to rebuild and kind of looking to rebuild the offensive line today. Obviously, we've mentioned about this patchwork offensive line. Um, and yeah, let's move into that now. So you've been taking care of the free agents for us. So take us through some some names that, that you've been kind of looking at for free agency that you, you might target for the Chargers if you were in charge of the, the purse strings. Yeah. So obviously, we know um, that Pouncey probably won't be with us next year. Uh, 32 um He'll probably be a retired guy, to be honest. Hope, I, I, I hope for his sake he is. To yeah. be honest. You can't come back um, from a couple of neck injuries. And... Exactly, yeah. Um, and then you've got the other guys across the line, Feeney, um, Lamp and Tevi. So, um, obviously, all of them have started quite a lot of snaps for us this year. I think most of them are nearly at 100%. Um, I think the only guy that might not be is Tevi, but I know I'm pretty sure that Feeney and um, Lamp have played pretty much... 100% yeah, yeah. which is pretty crazy considering you, you couldn't keep Lamp on the field three <laughs> years and now you can't yeah, get him true. off the field. <laughs> um, but it'll be interesting to see how they look at them players, if they're going to bring them back straight away or if they're going to um, wait to see what kind of market they got before bringing them back on cheaper deals. Personally, that's the route I would be going in and um, to use them as depth pieces rather than as full-time starters next year. Mm. Um I've looked at the I've looked at a few players on uh, on the free agency market. If I'm honest, it's not it's not great. <laughs> um, there's a few there's a couple of centres that would be interesting. Personally, for me, the the big guy, the, the one I would probably go for if you're looking at a centre, because I think that maybe bringing a, a strong centre in to, that's experienced to help the development of Justin would be quite a crafty move, shall we say. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously we've got James Campin in the building. We've got Brian Belaga there. So Corey Lindsay from the Packers is 30 years old, but he's a, um, an unrestricted free agent. I think that that could be quite a savvy move to bring him back in uh, with Campin, 
the lager's already there. You've got Turner, so you kind of got like a... <laughs> Just rebuilding like a Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, kind of like, but it, I think that it would be, it would be, it might be quite beneficial if that's the route that they want to go for. That might be quite a, a nice uh, a nice guy to look at. Uh, there's Austin Bly from the Rams. who's done quite well this year as a centre for the Rams. Not, not really given up too much um, uh, through the middle. Um, and then uh, another guy, really like a depth guy, I would say, is um, the Washington centre that's played that's played this year, Chase Rullier. I think mm-hmm. he's done pretty well considering what he's had to deal with. I mean, he's had Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins, um, Kyle Allen, Kyle Allen, all this year, chopping and changing, chopping and changing. So, and what he's had to deal with personally, I think that he's done pretty well. Don't I haven't heard many people get, um, have bad remarks about. Uh, uh, chase so I think that he's done pretty well this year so if you're looking at maybe like phase three or something of, of free agency where some of the big guys go off because Alex Mack will go off as a centre um, you're probably looking at someone like um, Andrews from the Patriots that he'll probably get paid yeah. and Corey Lindsay will get paid as well as a centre so they're probably the three guys that will get paid and then you've got so if you say if you didn't want to go for Corey Lindsay then you could go for someone um like Chase or for, or someone like um, Blythe from the Rams. So there's them guys at centre. Tackle, if I'm honest, is really slim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at the list now. <laughs> it's like uh, Bakhtari obviously got signed up a few weeks back and he was yeah. he was going to be a free agent. Um, personally, I think that the 49ers will keep Trent Williams. I don't think they'll let him go. The same with the Steelers. I think uh, uh, Villanueva will be signed. So if that happens... There is, there is literally the market is dead for me or left tackle. Um, yeah. So I would not be looking to plow any money into that. And then obviously you'd be looking at the draft for that left tackle spot um, or re-signing Tevi, which might be the insurance policy that um, Telesco does, if that is the case. Um, at right tackle, um, Mouton from the Panthers probably would be the player I would look at. Um, I think he's had a pretty good year. Um, and at 27 um, might be a good age the way he's coming into his prime so it might be a, one of the players to just keep an eye out for um, but other than that there's not really any I wouldn't go I wouldn't be touching Beecham I wouldn't be touching Dotson I wouldn't be touching Cam Robinson like there is literally like hardly any players other than Villaueva and Mouton as a left tackle and a right tackle there would be the only guys I would look at mm. and then at guards, we're talking about the t- two that we were talking about. We've been talking about <laughs> yeah. since about 2015. So, uh, sheriffs on the market and thunnies on the market. So, depending if they want to look at them, I mean, they've just plowed a lot of money into Turner. Would they release Turner because I don't think there's a huge cap cut there, and then look at bringing in Sheriff or Thunny instead? Don't know. It, is is it one of them where they might want to look at that route, but? I personally think after spending so much money on on the free agency offensive line last year with Belaga and Thunny, uh, with Belaga and Turner, mm. I think that looking at Thunny and Sheriff um, might be a little step too far. So though I think the dark horse for the Chargers, if they were going to sign one, if I had to say that's the player that they might get, it would be Corey Lindsay, um, which was the Packers centre if they don't end up. Mm-hmm don't end up re-signing him which could be a dark horse that the Chargers might want to bring him in to sort of gel this unit in that they they 
he knows Campen, he's worked with him. Um, he knows Balaga, he's worked with him. So kind of keeping that continuity on that line that we've been talking about and trying to keep Herbert safe, that would be the one that you could say is a dark horse for them to actually sign for big money. But other than that, I'd say Mouton, I'd say um, Bly from the Rams, and I'd say uh, uh, Chase from the um, Chase Washington Redskins. Yeah, that would be the only other guys that I would look at and, and be tempted by. Yeah, it, it's, it is slim pickings, isn't it? And I think you've picked out the best guys available, potentially. Um, I'm just looking down the free agency list and you're not interested in bringing back Russell O'Kung or DJ Fluker then, no? <laughs> Definitely not. No, absolutely not. Absolutely um, not. But yeah, like you say, it's after after what we were saying last year with Scherf and, and Tony. They're, um, they're going to be too much, aren't they? You know, it's hard to have a, a guard as expensive as Trey Turner and then to bring in another yeah. veteran guard that's going to command, you know, $15 million. Yeah. It's not it's not going to happen, really, is it? You know, we, we looked at, obviously, these two guys and then we ended up with Trey Turner through a trade, which, you know, in the face of it, it was, you know, when it happened, looked like a pretty decent deal. I was quite happy with it, you know, especially yeah. considering Okung's uh, injury history mm-hmm. um, previously. But, you know, as much as, you know, you mentioned cutting Turner, I, I don't mind Turner. I think he's quite a good player. I know he's, yeah. not, been, he's not been on top of his game um, this year, you know, because he's had yeah. his injuries and mm-hmm. things like that. It's been that whole right side of the line, hasn't it, really? But I, I think he can definitely bounce back. I think he, I think there's still a player there, to be honest with you. I think we can get him in and, and he can be that leader of the, the line along with Balaga. And, um, yeah, I go along with Corey Lindsley. Um, I don't mind that at all. He can get the Mike Pouncey money because if he's gone, then they're on a pretty similar kind yep. of contract now. So you can kind of just bring Lindsley in and you're kind of not really moving in terms of your cap because, um, according to Spotrack, Mike Pouncey's on $9 million and he's on eight and a half. And yep. you know, he'd be looking for a pretty similar contract, I'd imagine. Yep. I can't imagine he'll be like after like massive, massive money, really. Um, you know, he's at a decent age, being 30 as well. Give him a couple of years two, three years and you kind of set up there, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the I think that's the sensible option. I think that Lindsay would be the guy there. And then I think I think Villanueva, I think he's going to get signed for the Steelers. I think we could just disregard that. I think the yeah, Steelers will I keep, think him. keep him in house. Um, they developed him and yeah. he's uh, you know, been their left tackle for quite a while. I don't think they'll let him leave to be honest. Yeah. So I think that really tackle-wise, I mean you could say that bringing Mouton in from the Panthers might be a shrewd move as well because obviously Say we can't at the moment, you can't quite trust Belaga at the moment, which is unfortunate. So maybe Belaga might would be more likely to get cut than Turner. But then if you bring Mouton in, Turner and Mouton have played together at the Panthers. Yeah, true. Yeah, really good point. So got that yeah. continuity again on that right hand side where you've got Turner and Mouton that, that can continue on that right hand side. And then you can just look at maybe going in, drafting a center and um, a tackle or something and then maybe keep lamping. So maybe looking towards Mouton for the right tackle or depth for tackle. Mm. Um, and then looking at Corey Lindsay also for depth at centre or, I mean, for the main starter at centre and another, a bit more continuity on that line. I think them them two would make a ton of sense personally. Yeah, I, I like it. And I think it, like you say, it does make a lot of sense. I think it's a really good point about Mouton and, and um, Trey Turner having played together. Obviously, bring back that chemistry after what would be like what a year away from each other. Yeah, yeah. they're going to remember that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I like I like you I like you thinking a lot of that. Just moving into this kind of in-house free agents, and you know, if you got in Corey Lindsay, would you be keeping Forest Lamping Danfini around as depth pieces then? 
Uh, I would keep Lamp in if we got Corey Lindsay, but I wouldn't keep Feeney in. Um, and then you just have Questenberry as like the backup centre then, I guess. Yeah, um, but then it would it could come down to the point where, say, if someone offers big money for Lamp and then no one offers any money for Feeney, then just bring Feeney back for cheap and then play him as a <laughs> yeah. guard or a centre if you need. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah. You've got the you've got the possibility there to just kind of see see who who are who's kind of driving the market as we say, um, and if Lamp's looking like a three or four million pound overrate, <laughs> like too much you're paying him, yeah, then just go for the cheaper option in Feeney, or if vice versa. If there's there's more teams ring picking the phone up for Feeney and saying we can give you this this much a year, and then you could probably pick Lamp up on say two or three million. Then all of a sudden, that looks like the better option. I think that there's there's some cards to play there. I don't think that they need to rush in. I think that the one the one worry for me would be that they might want to overpay Tevi because the tackle market's so bad, um, which really worries me. My heart with they, dread free to say. That I know, but it it worries me that they might do that just because like he's not had the worst season ever, and they might just say, oh, like this absolute there's terrible people on the market like <laughs> there are, yeah as we just mentioned for sure just just we might as well just better the devil you know and keep him in the building like he, they might want to i mean they might pay him sort of i don't know eight or nine million a year which might be worrying Christ. but do you know what i mean but <laughs> like you said unless I'm, the thing is with telesco is if they don't sign tevi then you're going to be sitting there in the draft at 12 and everybody's going to know that you need to take a tackle within the next one or two rounds because you've got Belaga and that's it mm. on your roster. Mm. That's all you've got on the roster. So you're going to be in the, you're going to be in the Austin Howard's Texans corner again, where they're just going to start clambering around for trying to get the, trying to get a tackle. And there's going to be teams jumping up <laughs> ahead of them. Like they need to play their cards a bit close. So it might be that they, they might sign Tevi up. I, 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 Just I, as a backup kind of solution. Yeah, like depending on the money they can get, say if Tevi wants to do a hometown discount, then get him through the door for four or five million, I wouldn't mind it. It's not great, but I wouldn't mind that. If they start going up to eight or nine, I'd, um, he's not he's not an NFL starting tackle though, so he can't command that sort of money, I don't think. Like, I know he has been in snap count, but in level of play and things like that, he's not... Yeah, NFL left tackle. So you, he'd be outrageous to demand, you know, above like what you're saying. Like, if you're getting towards ten million dollars a year, it's not happening because he's not yeah. good. Yeah, you know. And moving in then to the sort of second part of this kind of feature that we've been making about the draft and things like that. Fortunately, the the draft is good on offensive line this year, so yeah. I feel like it's a, a really good opportunity for the Chargers to. Now they've got the quarterback in, it's kind of time to really restock the line. Yeah. The way the way I'd go about it is because the, the free agent pool is so limited, I would just disregard it completely. Yeah. I would keep around the in-house free agents towards the top of the kind of list and then kind of clear house towards the bottom and restock with hopefully better rookies than we have veterans at the minute, like the veterans with the backups. Yep. So I'd be looking to, if possible, like you say, sign up for a slam, sign up Dan Feeney. Um, and depending on how many picks you want to kind of, you know, kind of use for offensive line, if you want to use two picks for offensive line, keep Dan Feeney as your starting centre, go for a garden, a tackle, and kind of rebuild the left side of the line. 
And then you've got your rebuilt right-hand side, which we did last summer. And then just keep Danfini around on like a one-year prove-it kind of deal. Because yeah. as much as he's been like a starter for most of Richard's career, there's still the, the jury's still out on him for me. I mean, I haven't complained about him as much this year, but before this year, I'd complained about him quite a lot. Yeah. Forest Lamp, obviously, you know, you can kind of use his health against him in terms of, as we mentioned before, you know, he's never really stayed on the field until this year. So you yeah. probably want to keep him around, you know, cheapish deal, three million, something like that for a year. Yeah. Um, let him, you know, kick around as a backup guard because, you know, injuries are going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Plus, something that they've been really cautious to do, even though he was really good at it in college, is playing at tackle. And you could have him just as like a utility lineman, you know, swing yeah. tackle, swing guard. I believe he's played a bit of centre as well. But obviously, you know, I think all his Chargers fans were pretty happy with Scott Questenberry being the backup centre in any situation, really, because he's been yeah. pretty decent when he's come in. And I think quite a lot of people were kind of clamouring for him to have a, um, you know, to get a go when Pouncey went down and just keep Feeney at guard. But uh, they seem pretty hell-bent on playing Dan Feeney at centre. And like you said, he's, he has been pretty reasonable this this year uh, without being, you know, blowing the doors off. Yeah. But I think early and often, I think, you know, we're going to have quite a lot of picks. We've got nine picks um, in the draft as things stand at the moment. I mean, one's predicted because we're, we're pretty much saying that Philip Rivers is going to be um, equating to a third round uh, compensatory pick, which would take yeah. up to nine. Um, but that's, I would say I'm pretty confident that will happen. Um, so we'll say we've got nine picks. I would be looking to spend three of those on the offensive line and two pretty early. Yeah. Um, if, you know, we've got 12, 12 pick now, and obviously that can go a bit further if we win uh, the game on Sunday. If not, then we're looking at, you know, around the 12th pick, 12th, 13th pick, uh, maybe dropping down a couple, maybe within the eight to 14 range, all scenarios told, which is a pretty good sweet spot for some of the tackles that are going to be around there. And a couple of yep. them that I quite like, um, obviously you've got Sol who you know is out of reach now even with quite a big trade up you'd be mortgaging the future to get him as much as that'd yeah. be fantastic um, you know with the relationship he's got with Justin Herbert already obviously played at Oregon together and just how amazing of a prospect he is it's yeah. kind of out of the question because there's teams up near the top that will need him more and won't be willing to trade um, you've got a couple of other tackles after that that it's kind of been a, a, a nice big tier two. And I think depending on how teams kind of value them, obviously, as we mentioned before, the scouting system and the kind of opt-outs and things like that. And all that's going to kind of throw this kind of, is a bit of a muddy puddle and it's going to muddle up how people see them. Some people might value some of these tackles really highly, some people not. So you could see a few surprise picks. But you've got, uh, you know, Samuel Cosme out of Texas, really good tackle. Rashawn Slater who's not played this year out of Northwestern. A tackle that I've mentioned on the podcast before, Liam Eichenberg out of Notre Dame, who's coming off a great season. And then you've got Christian Dyrosaur, who seems to be garnering the most buzz out of all the other tier two tackles from Virginia Tech, yeah. um, recently declared. I feel like these four tackles are all the sort of tier two tackles for me. And we know that Telesco loves Notre Dame guys. I know I've kind of shouted out Eichenberg before. And I think him and Rashawn Slater are going to be the guys that kind of if we believe the hype, Darasol is going to be the second tackle off the board. He could be gone before 8 to 14 or wherever we're going to be picking. Yeah. Um, maybe the same with Cosme as well. So you're looking at Rashawn Slater or Eichenberg, two you know, left tackles, seasoned left tackles, both seniors. Um, Eichenberg will be at the senior bowl. Eichenberg comes from Notre Dame. He kind of feels like a charger already, just with those three, <laughs> three yeah. aspects, really. And yeah. then Rashawn Slater is kind of a more athletic uh, tackle, which would fit the profile of what the Chargers go for. Yeah. Um, the other thing is he's not played this year 
if you're picking any either of those two kind of in the early teens or around the tenth pick, I'd be pretty happy with that. And yeah. moving forward, that's the left tackles kind of sorted. Um, and then I'd be looking corner, which is a position that we've talked about before, and also a you know, we've talked about the position and also the need of this, you know, needs to be filled pretty sharpish within the first couple of picks and whether, you know, how it falls on the day, whether all these tackles go off the board sooner, we might be looking at maybe a corner first, tackle second. There's plenty of tackles, you know, to come second round, third round. Um, the only one that I'd be really keen to avoid is walk a little out of Stanford. I think he's yeah. mega overrated, mm-hmm. um, has a massive problem staying on his feet, which I find is quite a big, big problem for tackles. Yeah. Um, Alex Leatherwood in the second, uh, maybe even late first, if you want to move around the board from Alabama. He's got that um, guard tackle kind of versatility. He's got a lot of aggression as well. And one thing that I was kind of wanting to mention before about Trey Turner is he's like got a bit of attitude. You know, we see him kind of yeah. in scraps and stuff like that. Alex Leatherwood's of the same mold, really. And I feel yeah. like as, a, as the Chargers franchise, really, it's got too many nice guys in some ways. Yeah. Definitely. And we need a bit of attitude and you need that on your offensive line. And yeah. I think Alex Level would add that. So if you're kind of moving around the, the, the draft order or if yeah. you're still available in the second, you could want to double down and tackle corner later. Definitely. On how we do, because this, like I say, this free agency pool is so bare. Yeah. Um, you know, there's maybe a little bit more. I know we were talking about a couple of weeks ago about, ta- about corners. It was a little bit more going on in the corners if a free agency wasn't there. So yeah. maybe tackle that with with the free agent market and then concentrate on the draft. And yep. then later down the line, I would really concentrate on bringing a day three guy just to you know develop maybe someone who has like an upside, maybe someone who has, you know, maybe opted out and is slipping down the draft board or maybe someone who's had like a bit of an injury or something like that, that means it might be a bit of a bargain and yep. just clear out the likes of Ryan Groy, Cole Toner and Tyree St. Louis. They're all free agents. Tevi as well, obviously, as a free agent, but we may be keeping him around as a bit of an insurance policy on the right-hand side. Just clear house and getting some good offensive linemen that Justin can grow up with and yeah. can just, you know, build this relationship with over time. It's not sort of relying on veterans on shorter deals or guys who have got a bit of an injury history like Brian Balaga. Yeah. You know, you can then sort out your left-hand side, you've got Feeney, you might bring him back after next year on a longer-term deal if he has quite a decent season, surrounded by four of the guys who know what they're doing. Yeah. You've got your left-hand side sorted through the draft, and then you can start to rebuild your right-hand side. You know, Balaga probably needs replacing first because he's a little bit older. Trey Turner will then be coming up for free agency as well, whether you want to renew him on a short-term deal, paying him quite a lot of money or what, I don't know. But you'll have a bit of flexibility because you've got these two young guys on the left-hand side and Dan Feeney, who's never really going to be that expensive unless he absolutely explodes in terms of like his level and production. Yeah. So you're going to have like a cheaper left-hand side and then you're going to be able to replace these more expensive and you know, veteran guys on the right-hand yeah. side. I like so I just it. feel there's a lot of flexibility and I think time the time is now and this is the time to strike and just really build on these lines because I know we've talked about in the past about like the Colts and like just having a great offensive line. It just takes your team from one level right up to the next, I feel. Yeah, definitely. Definitely 100%. There's, there's, I, I agree. I think there's, there's, a, there's quite a block of tackles there that you can take that I'd be more than happy with. There's obviously the draft process will start to sieve out who's more defined for the upper tier more than the lower tier. But like you've mentioned every single one that I've, 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 I've been watching tape on. Obviously, you've got Saul's going to be gone. 
I, I personally think the, the, with the buzz, I think that Slater will be gone and Darasaur will be gone. I think the other three will be the top three. Mm. Um, and then I think that you'll be looking at uh, Eichenberg and Cosme. I think Cosme is probably the perfect one position-wise for us um, around that sort of like mid-teens. I think that he'll be coming off the board around then and there's obviously a few teams that will be looking to strengthen their line. So I think that that would mm. be one to look at and also as well with Cosme very similar to Leatherwood that really aggressive like yeah got real attitude like kind of reminds me a little bit of Taylor Lewan um in some yes. respects where yeah. um he's Good just shot. like he's, he's just a bit of there's no holds barred if you say really with Cosme so I think that, that it'd be uh, they'll I guarantee 100% that you'll see a lot of people that will uh kind of uh comp him to Taylor Lewan when it comes into this draft process and then like you said you're getting into sort of the day two sort of guys um i'd probably say oh let me think uh tevin jenkins from oklahoma state um i'm a big brady christensen guy from byu i think he's really good um i like uh robert hainsey from notre dame i think notre dame's got some really good guys even at guard as well do. yeah um, yeah uh cole van lane um from wisconsin i yeah. like him uh, Tyler Vabral from Boston College. I like him as a day three guy. Um, and Abraham Lucas from Washington State as well. Day, it'll be late day two. Yeah, I like day him as well. Um, so there's tackle-wise, I think it's, it's, it's pretty deep, depending on you can kind of let the board fall to you, really, in some respects. You haven't got really got to chase, chase guys. Um, but it would be good to get one of them early round guys, I just think, just just for the settlement. Uh, yeah, the we've we've done this before where we've tried to go development and maybe it's just time to bite the bullet and get someone that's really established and three years playing left tackle uh sec competition something like that Do you know what i mean like mm. he's just just some some guy that's been in it and been doing it for a little while just like a plug and know, play kind of yeah guy, kind right? of you know you what you're getting and you just you just just pl- like you said, plug and play and get him in. So mm. tackle position definitely. And then obviously, if you're looking interior guys, obviously we haven't we haven't jumped over to that side. Um, you haven't jumped sure. over to that side yet. But I mean, Wyatt Davis is obviously the clear one that's probably be going um, as guard. He's an animal as well. He's like your yes. attitude guy as well. So if you want again, if you want someone to sort of sort of command the line similar to Turner then he might be the guy to take in that sort of mid-teen. I think him and Cosme will be coming off the board, very similar position. Um, and then I quite like the uh, USC guy, the Vera Tucker. Yeah, um, I was going like, to mention him. I like him. Um, I like Kramer as well from Notre Dame. Um, um, who else was there? There was one other guy that I can remember who I watched some tape against this week. Who did I watch some tape against? Jackson Carmen. Okay, yeah, from from Clemson. Clemson. Um, he's huge. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's a big old beast. Um, so I think that he might. The thing is, I don't quite know if he's because he's played tackle, and he, but they some people are saying that he might be a guard. So um, again, with him, it might be a case where, uh, depending on the team that draft him, uh, you could see him switch inside to guard just because of there might be some question marks with athleticism just to yeah. just the, the quick twitch for a tackle, but he seems a good player. So again, you might want to look at him, um, bring him in as a sort of left guard option um, as a huge guy on that, on that line and say, 
get past me sort of thing. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So there's there's some really good there's some good good guys I think at guards. Um, and then lastly, I'll just jump into centre, and then you can talk about guards and centre. Yeah, go for it. Uh, Creed Humphrey, obviously, he's probably going to be the the main guy that will come off the board early. But I'm I like Josh Myers again. I think he he offers just as much grit. As, uh, same with Wyatt Davis, both Ohio State guys that both got some um, anger issues, I think you could say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tyler Limbaum from Iowa is getting a bit of buzz at the moment. I like Drake Jackson from Kentucky. I think he's going to be very good as a centre. Um, um, Jimmy Morris, he's a good day th- day two, day three guy. James Ep- Ep- um, MP from BYU. I've watched a little BYU tape and mm. I did like... Um, Brady Christensen and James MP and them two. Um, so I would probably say them other them two guys as day three guys. But yeah, the top of your board: Humphreys, Myers, uh, Drake Jackson, um, and Linda Barm will be uh, probably late. You Creed might slot into end of round one, depending on need. But I think the other got the other three guys: Drake Jackson from Kentucky, uh, Josh Myers from Ohio State, and uh, Tyler Lindebaum from Iowa. They all go day two. I'd agree with that assessment. Yeah, I would have slotted Landon Dickerson from Alabama in there as well as a top centre, but he's got injured. I think he tore his ACL um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So whether he'll be able to even play the start of next year and obviously that'll affect his draft stock, things like that. So yeah. good player. But you know, I, to be fair, I, I'm quite content with the Chargers keeping Dan Feeney around. I'm not really looking to centre too much. And as much as you know, you might want to pick up, a, like I said before, a, a sort of developmental and um, kind of depth day three guy, which might be a centre guard combo kind of player. Yeah. A couple of these guys that you mentioned would be fitting into that mould immediately. Um, yeah, yeah I, I would. I would kind of look to away from uh, an early centre for sure. Yeah, I'd be looking at you know a guard and a tackle within my first three picks. A bit similar to what we did with Lamp and Feeney, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like Elijah Vera Tucker. He's got that guard center experience. He's been really good at left tackle actually for the Trojans. Yeah. Obviously, he's only played what six, seven games at left tackle. So you kind of maybe looking at him as a not a not a hope, but obviously he's inexperienced at tackle, although he's played very well. Not in uh, against a great deal of competition though, pass rusher wise. And when he did come up against good pass rusher in Cave on Thibodeau for Oregon in the Pac-12 Championship game, he won some reps and lost some reps. So, you know, you might have a bit of a bumpy ride if you draft him to be a left tackle immediately. Yeah. He'd be a great guard. He was a really good guard on his other years that he's played at USC. So, yeah, another one, maybe late uh, first round, you know, if you wanted to move around the board a little bit. 12 mm-hmm. would probably be a little bit too early. But like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. Wyatt Davis at 12, 13, 14, if you, you know, if you win on Sunday. Um, would be kind of perfect range, really. And then you could yeah. tackle later on. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned, there's loads of, loads of good tackles, loads of good names out there yeah. to, to bring in. The one that I would mention, who you mentioned with a kind of word of warning, would be Jackson Carmen. He's too big to play for the Chargers. We want athletic linemen who can move yeah. around. And unless he sheds a bunch of weight, I just don't see it. Uh, like you say, good player, but not not someone that I'd really consider. And same with the enormous Minnesota tackle, Daniel Falele. Uh, he's 400 pounds. He's six foot eight and 400 pounds. Actually moves quite well for his weight, but... Yowzers. Just, um, just far too big to play on this Chargers line. You know, you're looking at uh, Trent Brown, on you know, even bigger than Trent Brown and Mackay yeah. Becton kind of player. Um, yeah. But, you know, physically, obviously, he's just difficult to get past because of his dimensions. You don't even have to be that good technique-wise. Um, but you know, like I say he's quite a good move for his weight, but 400 pounds is 
going to be a red flag for some people, let's say. And I think one of the teams that would be a red flag for would be the Chargers, you know, especially if it's Tom Tesco is still the GM. Um, but yeah, that, that's kind of our, our summary really for this. I wouldn't really go too much near the free agency for me anyway, for my liking. And I am probably yeah. seeing it through my own lens because I always do and kind of always prefer the draft. Um, but yeah, I, there's, there's a lot of good options for the offensive line. As I mentioned right at the beginning of this segment, I just think this is when to strike because there's loads of good players that are going to be available yeah. early. And yeah. we've got a bunch of picks as well. So even if you want to move move back, move forward, move around the board, you know, you're not hamstringing yourself by, you know, having like five picks in the draft because we're going to have like nine picks. Yeah. Our, uh, Desmond King trade and for Philip Rivers. And I wouldn't even be adverse to trading down because, you know, depending on the direction that they want to go, you know, if you wanted to get Eichenberg or something like that, you might not want to take him at 14, but if you can find a dance partner, you may be able to slip back to 20, something like that. Yeah. He's still going to be there. You know, and even if he's not, you know, you, you're still looking at getting like a, another pretty good tackle in that range. You yeah. know, Jalen Mayfield from uh, Michigan's another one that we haven't mentioned, or Dylan Redunds from North Dakota State, or even Leatherwood, you know, taking him maybe a touch early at 20, but you know, you're getting getting a good guy in there who can play both yeah. positions. Go back, get another pick, get another, you know, day two pick or something like that, get another lineman, build this yeah. lineup early. And yeah, just build the wall because it's you know, it's going to be better for Osnecker. It's going to be better for Justin, not Justin, sorry. Well, yeah, Justin Jackson. I was going to say Josh Kelly though originally, you know, and give this running game a chance because you know Josh Kelly struggled in his first year because he's not had any holes to run through. Yeah, you know, and then obviously you know protecting Justin as well and giving him more time to do his thing, which obviously we know is a is a good thing. So yeah, that, that's my sort of assessment for the offensive line is build it now, build it early and let them all grow up together and then you can replace the right-hand side in a couple of years. Definitely. I think uh, I couldn't really agree more. I think, like you said, we've we touched on a couple of players that I wouldn't mind us dabbling for in free agency. But like you said, I think there's so much depth here that you can pretty much build a core or a nucleus of players where they can all grow together. And I think that you could even say, I mean, personally, I think maybe three is minimum. I think I'd want, I'd be pushing four, to be honest, as as four guys on this offensive line that you can get one, one in, uh, get one through the door day one. That would be my priority personally. Um, over corner um, would be to get an offensive line through the door day one, whether it's Wyatt Davis at guard, whether it's one of the tackles, um, get someone in day one. That you're gonna that that that's your guy you're gonna rely on you can plug and play him in and then dabble especially get another guy with either your second round third or both your third round picks like one of them on day two and then you can even go then into the development route into day three and pick two guys up there might have even be one that's dropped because of injury concerns or mm. just because there's so much there's so much depth that you always see it where there's you've got depth at a certain position you see guys that are this guy's still around early day four, uh, the early day three in the fourth round. Mm. In other draft classes, he, he would have been gone end of round two. So you might get that disparity where you, you see players just fall into the early part of day three, where you can, especially with the Rivers compensatory pick, you can use, you can kind of use these picks if we've got a few more as well that you can kind of move around the board. And I think that it would definitely be wise to try and pick one up first round. This is obviously my personal opinion get one through the door day one, another one in day two, and then two guys in day three. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be adverse to that at all, to be honest with you. I'd, I'd be happy to see it. as many offensive linemen come through the door. I think three is the sweet spot. 
And you're I just getting rid of all these other players, you know. It's, yeah, it's exactly. And it's just making your depth that much better, isn't it? Because, you know, you don't want to see, as much as he's not been too bad, Cole Toner, Tyree St. Louis, you know you can't rely on them long term. You know, they might be able to yeah. go for a few snaps or to finish out a game or something like that because someone gets injured. But, you know, if you've got, I don't know, let's think of a scenario. If you've got a, a guard that we've drafted coming in, left guard goes out because he gets injured or he gets nicked up for a couple of snaps, you've got Forrest Lamp coming in. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, instead of Cole Toner coming in or Tyree St. Louis, you know, you, you've got then that depth and that bottom third of the roster is just going to be so much better. So yeah. as much as it's not going to be flashy, people won't like be cheering as much as taking a quarterback or wide receiver or something like that. Like getting in good offensive linemen is going to be good for your football team for the long term, I feel. And for Justin. And, and for Justin, yeah, exactly. And especially if then they can build that relationship. You know, we talked earlier about Moton and, and Trey Turner having that relationship and being that reason to bring him in on free agency. But if you've got two guys then who kind of grow up together, starting mm-hmm. next to each other, with Damfini, who's by that time, you know, an experienced centre, and you've got two other guys on the experienced um, end of the spectrum on the on the right hand side as well. It's it's great news, you know, and it builds that trust over long term. So yeah, I'm all for it. It's not the most flashy thing in the world, but I'd love to, yeah, just double down on offensive line early, and um, just look forward to the season of you know, I mean, I mean, the offensive line hasn't been terrible in in patches, but just looking forward to just just him having a bit of time there just to pick his spot and for routes to develop because you know we're looking at the wide receivers and I know we're getting a bit off topic now talking about wide receivers but we've got some fast guys who you know if we want to play a bit more of a vertical passing game than we have been you know you want these routes to develop and you know let Jalen go and let Tyron Johnson get down the field and you know you need time to be able to do that and that's where you know you get a double dip of yeah. benefit with with drafting a good offensive line. I think as well the wide receivers have proved that they 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 deserve another shot. For sure yeah yeah half these offensive line guys they've had so many shots it's ridiculous like they've been around they've been around this franchise for so long and you you still see you still don't see the progression that you want on an offensive line it's just it's always always been an issue ever since I've been a charger it's kind of felt like it's always been an issue and they've never thoroughly addressed the line yeah and now like maybe hopefully Turner and Balag can stay fit for the for next year, and you kind of got two guys in the building, which I, I I do have a lot of faith in them two guys as leaders and like to just command an offensive line um, across the defensive uh, offensive line and mm-hmm. just be leaders in amongst that group. And if you can get two or three guys in that are going to be in the same building and have a year or two, depending on if Balaga and Turner are good over them for a period of time, just to get the experience in. And you kind of, we've, I've, it kind of feels like we've always had passing ships where we've never kind of got guys in at the right time, where yeah. you've not got your influx of rookies coming in with good, solid pros around them that can, with one or two seasons of their development as the rookies' development is in line with two or three, with two or three guys that are already in the building that have established positions. Yeah. It kind of it always feels like the rookies are coming in at a point where the defensive line's not good enough, and the where players are be the leaders like immediately, right? Yeah, exactly. So you're asking, it's like I feel for Pipkins in some ways because you've asked him to come in on a line that's been a conveyor belt yeah. for tackles for the last three years, and you're asking him to come in and try and do something. He's a developmental guy. He needs people around him to show him how it's done. And we had we didn't ever get anyone in the building to really do that for him. Like 
you could say that with Russell Okun, but he was so unfit all the time. You need somebody on the field with him helping him during games. So I'm hoping Balaga can stay fit and you can get someone in to do that. If you can't, you're going to have to get another guy in. I think if you're going to move on from Balaga, like you said, we can get Mouton in and get Turner and Mouton to sort of carry these other development guys from the draft Mm. forward into year two and year three. Yeah, I think it's a really good point, actually. You know, Trey Turner and Balaga are going to have to be the leaders of this offensive line. And, you know, I'm saying replace, you know, Balaga in two or three years, however long he lasts, you know, we might have the guy in the building. Pipkins might turn out to be a pretty reasonable right tackle, you know, in a couple of years after he's, uh, you know, had a bit of a taste here and there, a bit of spot starting, because obviously Balaga's probably not going to stay fit the whole 16 games or 17 games from next year. So, you know, you might be able to mix him in here and there. And with another full off season behind him, you know, James Campen another year under his belt with with Pipkins, sorry. Um, yeah, you, you might have the, the answer in the building already, but, you know, you never know. But either way, you're not under any pressure then because you're just replacing Berlaga in you know, a year or so rather yeah. than having to replace the whole yeah. offensive line. And I mean, I guess Telesco did try and do it when he brought in uh, uh, Lamp, Feeney, obviously in the same draft, and then Max Turk as well. Yeah. It obviously didn't work out for all three of them in terms of um, becoming you know, starters, things like that, in the league. Um, but yeah, I suppose this, this next one for, for Tom Telesco when he tries to do that sort of thing, he's going to have to be the one. Otherwise, he's not going to be in a job yeah. um, to, to, to try a third time again. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, that's kind of us rebuilding the offensive line. And it's a position that I'm really looking forward to. Hopefully the Chargers are doing that and, and really looking forward with some um, confidence in the offensive line for, like you said before, like for the first time in, in what feels like forever <laughs> with the Chargers yeah. offensive line. Um, and you know, it's a formula that works. You know, we've seen it with the Colts. We've seen it with the Raiders recently, you know, have great offensive lines and their running games exploded and they've had a great season because of it and things like that. So yeah. it's worth doing, you know, it's worth doing. And the Colts, I know we don't have that draft capital, but even brought in Quentin Nelson at six because he's that good. You know, as a guard, yeah. it's not usually a position that you take in the top 10, but, you know, if they're that good, then you take them and you reap the benefits of it. Definitely. And you haven't got to worry about this consistent conveyor belt of, just people trying to keep Justin Herbert safe. Like you just know you're locked and loaded. You've got a guy in the building and then you know, he's that good that you can just pay him once he's, once his rookie deal's done, you can pay him. Cause you know, hopefully, like you said, you can get someone in like Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson's never going to lead the Colts. The Colts are never going to let him go out of the building. No, They're just no. paying him. Like that's what you want. You want someone to just come in, play, play his position, play it really well. And you just keep paying him. Like that's what we've done with Joey Bosa. Like you knew what we were going to get. And you're just going to keep paying him and he's going to be at the franchise forever. Like that's, that's how it works. Like you want to get guys in the building from this offensive line that you just, it might not be glamorous, but you just, you just say, this is a guy. We know this is going to work. We know we can take him here. Let's just get him. Like say if it's Ward Davis or say it's Creed Humphrey, like at least you know what you're going to get. Like mm. you haven't got to worry about, oh, we've got to develop this guy. Just plug and play him straight away. He's better than what we got. Let's go. Just, yeah. just, just get him through. And then like, and these players, they've been solid pro pros. I mean, Humphrey, like he's he's been there with uh, Jalen Hurts, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Like he's he's, do you know what I mean? He's yeah. he's been there with all of these guys. Like he knows what he's doing. So you can even say to that aspect, oh, okay, maybe you don't want to take him at twelve, but like you said, get the trade down, go to the twenty-two or something like that, and mm. 
and take Creed and say, right, we've got our centre now. We, you don't even have to worry about Feeney. Pouncey can retire. We, we've got our guy at centre and then you move on to the next round. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Completely. It's just about moving forward with confidence then, isn't it? <laughs> For the yeah. rest of the rookie contract that these guys have and just think, well, yeah. you know, we'll re-sign them all because they've all been good. You know, you might, you're not going to hit on everyone, probably not, but, you know, if you get three guys in the building, you might hit on two of them and then it's been a successful kind of draft, hasn't it, for that position? Yeah. So, yeah, no, for sure. It's, a, like I say, a position I hope and look forward to them uh, rebuilding over the over the, over the the summer and over the draft, really. Mm-hmm. Last little bit of the podcast, then just really quickly, just moving on to the Sunday game against the Chiefs. Um, Chiefs going to rest a bunch of starters, so no Mahomes, no Kelsey, no Chris Jones, no Matthew, and I feel like I'm missing someone else. No, Andy Reid. <laughs> um, I feel like I missed one up. Anyway, no Tyreek Hill if I didn't say that. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. But, you know, loads of loads of offensive weapons and defensive weapons out for the Chiefs. You know, we've we've kind of derided their defense anyway. We put 30 points on them or uh, there or thereabouts. I can't remember the score actually early on in the season. You know, we ran really close either way. And, you know, what? how do you think this is going to go? Because the, the signs are looking good. Yeah, it's great that obviously Mahomes isn't playing. Uh, like you said, that I, I, you you could argue they can still they could still run the ball against us, and they've still got some half decent players. Like, oh, of course, yeah, I'm not, I'm not. The, like I think the I think the us obviously Herbert's obviously going to be key. If if he's up against Chad Henney, I'd be shocked if we don't come away with the win. I know it sounds harsh, but you're talking about a complete and utter, you couldn't get more of a drop off in the NFL if you tried at any other position <laughs> between Pat Mahomes and Chad Henney. So the, the the Chiefs aren't going to be the Chiefs that we everyone knows. So the I, I would be shocked to say if that is the case and they are doing that, then obviously I would be shocked if we don't win the game. But you never know as a Chargers fan. I mean, we've got a few players out anyway. It looks like Keenan Allen's going to be shut down the rest of the year. Yeah. Not sure if Bose is going to be back. Um so there's still players missing and key players missing for us. So it's not like we're full strength and they're not. So it's we've still got some. If Herbert's going to win it, he's going to have to win it with Hunter Henry's not off the COVID list yet. So he's going to have to win it with the same guys he's beat Denver with last week and looks what it looks like. Yeah, probably. I mean, we've we've kind of said that that's fine because Justin Herbert's making these guys look great. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton. and we've got Eckler back now, so hopefully he'll be back more back in his groove. He played all right on Sunday against Denver, but not back to his full strength, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah, I would like to. I would like to think that we can, you know, finish out the season on a win. Um, you know, there's sort of you know good play callers. Andy Reid will still be working his magic. You know, Chad Henney will still be able to execute a little bit. Obviously, just won't be able to execute the downfield stuff, but. Um, we're still going to have to look after Michael Hardman because he's still super quick, and but not just not Tyreek Hill. So, you know, drop off. Travis there. Kelsey playing? Do you know? I, he might have been the one I missed out earlier if I didn't mention. But yeah, I don't think he is. Uh, if he's not playing, I think we we just get battered by tight ends. So, <laughs> if we like to be honest, I bet anyone can throw it to Kelsey and he'd be wide open. That's how badly we've been marking tight ends this year. So, but if if he's not playing, I think that that might be the final nail in the coffin. I can't see. I can't see us losing to Chad Henney and I don't even know their second guy. Is it Demarcus Harris? Is he still there? I can't remember who their other guy I is. I wouldn't even be able to tell you. Are you talking about their like third string quarterback? Uh, third string tight end. Second string oh, tight end. Second string tight end. I have no idea. No, no idea. Travis Kelsey's on the field all the time. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> never never leaves, does he? No. Um, yeah, so they're not playing. 
Uh, they're not playing Sammy Watkins and, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, just trying to have a look now. Mahomes isn't playing. Chris Jones and Matthew aren't playing. Actually, there isn't actually many, any mention of Kelsey here, so he might play. Yeah. But, you know, you're still asking them to beat you one guy without Tyreek Hill stretch the field. And I know they've got yeah. um, Miko Hardman still, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be relatively confident. Obviously, we're, we're going to be playing for a lot of pride as well. You know, if we can finish off with three division wins, that's, you know, very, very good kind of ends the season, no matter the circumstances. And, you know, it's always get, good to get these wins against the divisional opponents, especially the Chiefs, who seems to have had our number for, well, forever. Um, yeah, so it'd be, it would be nice. I do think, actually, I've just come across another article. Yeah, Ted Kelsey's not playing. Marcus Peters isn't playing either. So Kelsey's. In fact, no, he's supposed to be really old. Marcus Peters doesn't play for them anymore. No, never mind. I'm just saying. No, ignore this. Dave Ross said it out. It's his, uh, the, the paragraph was saying in 2017 they rested these players. Um, I was thinking, yeah, Marcus Peters obviously never played for them for ages now. Um, but either way, yeah, I'd be, I'd, be, I'd be quite confident moving forward into this yep. game. Even if it is a bit of a battle of the kind of injured teams and or resting teams, you know, it's not going to be the starters playing the whole way through. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be positive. Let's be, let, and then the season on a positive note and and come out of there with with a positive end of the season overall, I would say. Yeah, and then obviously it is it is Monday, isn't it? After this Sunday, that's Black Monday. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So we might be uh, we might be talking about um, potential coaching casualty in the next pod. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I don't know. <laughs> I just want to root for someone to lose the job, but. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> I will just do it. Um, just, you know, we said it enough over the yeah. past few weeks, so can't really get so, away from it. Really, obviously, uh, we're, we're, the next pod we'll talk about the um, we'll talk the Chiefs game, but it could be a potential. Well, it might even be that we're talking about why they're still in a job, so we'll never know. So it might be that the coaches are <laughs> big topic uh, come next week. Mm. Yeah, so big big podcast next week potentially in terms of. You know, Black Monday moving forward, and obviously moving forward into our off-season program as well. We'll be talking more about the draft, reviewing the season, things like that. So, um, yeah, join us for that one. Hopefully, we'll have some big news. Hopefully, we'll be talking about some new coaches as well soon, and maybe speculate on who might be taking over from the Chargers um, and kind of running the franchise from from the head coaching point of view. But yeah, thanks for thanks for listening again, and we'll, we'll see you next time.